shack, let's just say that a uh, snake bit your mom right up here, right in the chest area. Would you be willing to suck the venom out to win the title? No, but I will with your wife. Hope we can win a game. And we're in here talking about practice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Hello, welcome to the Pick and Roll Podcast. I'm Bill Golden. Alongside me, as always, is Kevin McLernan. The NBA playoffs, the second round has concluded, and the conference finals has already started uh, a couple games in the books. Kevin and I submitted our predictions for the conference finals before doing this podcast to each other, so you know we're not cheating. Um, and we're going to start with a recap of the NBA uh, playoffs in the second round, and we'll finish the podcast with a little uh, talk about what happened in the NBA draft lottery. It's actually more remarkable than you think, even though everything went according uh, to plan. Uh, Kev, the, the Cavs swept the Hawks uh, a quick you know, four-game series, LeBron and company just kind of took care of business in that series. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, the games were close at times, so, I mean, the Hawks gave a fight, but uh, same same ending as last season for the Hawks, a, a sweep at the hands of the Cavaliers, except last year was in the conference finals. Yeah, ironically, I think it was uh, in game one, um, Jeff Teague hit a shot in the first quarter, uh, of that game and actually yelled out not this year towards the Cavalier bench and uh, well I, I think he meant just about being eliminated in general and I mean it just went exactly the same uh, like you said a lot of the games were close including the final game was only a one point victory by the Cavs uh, there was a couple uh, games that were not so close including game two uh, the Cavaliers made 18 three-pointers in the first half were up 36 at halftime and J.R. Smith made seven of an NBA record 25 three-pointers. So I guess my advice to them was not taken. And, I mean, they did pretty well shooting a lot of threes again in the series. Yeah, I mean, if they keep shooting like that, they are probably the favorites um, to win the NBA Finals. I mean, I don't see a team being able to shoot like that for an entire playoff. Um, and even to do that for an entire series is really impressive. But... Um, that when Kyrie and Kevin Love and Channing Fryer are all shooting like that, the Cavaliers are just so dangerous. Yeah, and I think if we were taught, we were going to guess what team would be, you know, shooting threes or breaking NBA records for three pointers. I mean, everyone's first guess would be the Warriors. Uh, it's just unbelievable that this is the team that's that's doing it. And like you said, they're so good already. I mean, to add this uh, to their, it's not like they don't shoot a lot of threes, but if they're going to shoot them at this level. Uh, that additional weapon is definitely enough. I agree with you. If they shoot it like this, uh, I think they're definitely the favorites to win the win the whole thing. But, I mean, like you said, I, I don't see them continuing this pace, although they've, they've done pretty well, uh, you know, shooting a lot and, sh- and making a lot of threes in the first and second round so far. But, you know, you can't really compare the first two teams they played uh, to the Raptors or even either the Thunder or the Warriors. So we'll see if maybe some teams that can play a little better defense uh, make some adjustments for that. Um, but I guess let's let's just move on. That series, I guess, at the end of the day, wasn't all that interesting. Um, the Hawks. Well, go- where do the Hawks go from here? Yeah, I mean, 
they've been on the NBA treadmill for I don't know how long. Last year, they thought they broke through with a great regular season, but I mean, they just need a superstar. I think Al Horford's contract is up, um, so they're going to have to make a decision on him and. I just don't know where this team goes. The nice thing is that they only have $52 million locked up next year, so they have some cap space. Horford, Heinrich, Humphreys, and Bazemore are all unrestricted free agents. I just read something that said Bazemore would be happy to return. They need to bring Horford back, hopefully for a reasonable amount. Uh, he's getting a little bit up there in age. He can still play, uh, but they can't afford to lock a lot of money into him. Um, so maybe he'll you know, give them a little bit of a, a hometown deal, and they can try to, like you said, attract... Uh, a big-time player. I think they need to upgrade both the shooting guard and small forward positions. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if they don't, you think if they brought Horford, Bazemore back and got maybe one superstar, they they could maybe make a run at this. Well, yeah, it's superstar stuff. But yeah, I, I would say if they could get a, a get a player like uh, Harrison Barnes or Nicholas Batum, uh, those two are both free agents this year. If they if they could get one of those on their team, that would really really help them at least. They could take a couple games from the Cavs, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the, the base that they have. I don't think that they should try to restructure. But they're kidding themselves if they think they can just bring the same guys back and, and make this work. I, it's not They're not coaching. It's not that. It's just they, they're missing just one or two pieces. And, you know, a, a Barnes or a Batum is going to make a world of difference. I agree. I mean, a superstar is hard to get. But there's a couple that are going to be out there. And maybe they can make a trade. Who knows? I don't know. But... They have a lot of cap space, like I said. I mean, it should be interesting to see if they they haven't made a blockbuster move. I don't think I can't remember any uh, in the past decade, uh, really. So maybe they this is their time to to make a move in that direction. I mean, I don't know. And they also have Thiago Splitter. I mean, he got hurt this year, uh, so he wasn't he wasn't able to play in the playoffs. But I mean, he, he was very uh, effective for the Spurs, and uh, maybe. They're not so, uh, I guess, forced to sign uh, Al Horford to a big contract since they have splitter. Yeah, I just I think for them they'd like to have him, obviously. Um, oh versus, yeah, yeah. Versus you know trading them out, but that's that's true. I, you know, bringing splitter back, they'll be definitely better. I mean, he's great on the defensive end. It doesn't add too much offensively, but you know that's what you get from Horford. You know, he he'll give you a little bit of, and a lot of offense sometimes and. Uh, to add splitter in defensively is going to make a difference. So maybe him and, like you said, if they could get their hands on Barnes or Batum or someone like that, uh, maybe they could give the Cavs a run for their money. I don't know. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to what was a really interesting series, maybe arguably the best of the playoffs, maybe. Uh, three of the first four games in the Toronto Raptors-Miami Heat series went into overtime. Uh, just some some absolutely thrilling games I think uh, towards the end, the Heat just kind of ran out of gas, and, and the Raptors were able to win Game 7 kind of handily. Yeah, and it, it's really a shame. I mean, like you said, it was a great series, but the, the two starting centers for both teams uh, ended up getting hurt and missed a large portion and the end of the series, so it started without them, um, which I, I would assume, I mean, both players are very important to their team, but I think Whiteside brings more to and is a little more important to the Heat than Valchunas is to the Raptors. Uh, but it's really just a shame that we didn't get to see a full series of those two playing. Yeah, Valchunas has been a, a huge surprise. I would say I have, 
I'm surprised second most by him. I'll get into him most surprised by later, but he was he's been huge for them. I mean, he really saved their butts in a couple games last series, and he was big for them in game one and two, obviously playing against Whiteside. I mean, that was one of the matchups we focused on when we were previewing the series, and both guys actually exited the, the game in the same game, and neither returned. Balatunas still hasn't played a game in this next series. Um, and I agree with you. Whiteside, I think, was a bigger loss out of the two. Obviously, it was huge to lose Valachunas also. But once Whiteside was out, uh, Valachunas actually losing him didn't hurt so much for the Raptors. And it kind of made the series more even. I think if the Raptors had Valachunas, they might have been able to even wrap this thing up in six. Uh, my biggest question coming out of this, other than what's going on with Chris Bosh, is how old is Dwayne Wade? This I, he's it's incredible. I mean, he was doing putback dunks. I mean, he he really carried the team at at times in the series. I was really surprised also by Goran Dragic. He was excellent in the series, but man, Dwayne Wade looked like he was 25 years old. Yeah, and the series really came down to uh, the backcourts. Who, who which guards were playing better? Um, DeRozan and Lowry had, had a couple good games, and those games that the Raptors won. And then Dragic and Wade. Uh, I mean, Wade basically played pretty well every single game it seems like um which is going to be important for them to bring Whiteside and Wade back after that series I mean well I don't think Wade's going to leave Miami but just just to keep him happy and keep him playing like that and I mean Wade played a lot of games this year we talked about this uh last time that he played a lot of regular season games which is unusual for Dwayne Wade and he still was able to play well in the playoffs yeah, I mean, you can't expect him to come back and play at the same level, but if you get 90 or 85% of that, plus you bring Whiteside back, he'll probably be a little bit better. And hopefully, cross your fingers, you have Chris Bosh is, you know, maybe fully healed and, and ready to play, you know, regular season again. I, I really, I'm a believer in this Heat team. I know that I drink some of the Kool-Aid down here, but I, I think, I, I'm not sure, I want to go so far as to say they could win the East, but I really wanted to see them play the Cavs this year to see if they could at least give them a run for their money. But if I'm the Heat going forward, I bring, I try to bring back almost everybody and, and um, you know, Riley Riley knows what he's doing. I mean, they might even be able to to bring somebody else in because uh, just going through what they have looking to next year, only $48 million's already locked up. They got Joe Johnson, Dang, they need to bring Dang back. Gerald Green, I would bring him back also. Darrell Wright, Stoudemire, Wade, obviously, as you just mentioned, Haslam and Whiteside, as we just talked about also. They're all unrestricted free agents. Um, but a couple of those guys you let go who had uh, kind of lower contracts, and maybe you can bring somebody else in that would, would really be willing to take um, a pay cut that could, not like Stoudemire, but somebody that's a little bit better, that's a little older in their career, kind of like a David West with the Spurs situation to add uh, just a little bit more to that roster because I, I, I think it's good going into next year. Yeah, I mean, the problem is Joe Johnson is on a, a veteran, veteran minimum contract right now right, right. after he got cut uh, from the Nets, right? He got cut from the Nets? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was making what <laughs> over twenty million for the Nets. So yeah, he was like he's made top plenty five highest paid players in the league. Yeah, and he, he was on a huge contract. So I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see where he goes and what he signs for. Um, I'm not sure what Joe Johnson's worth at this point, uh, but he's still a pretty solid player. Yeah, I mean, he was helping them a lot in this series. Also, I mean, he can still score the basketball, and I, I would, like I said, I would try to bring him and Dang Gerald Green. Wade Whiteside, and then I would just I would run with that. But you know, Pat Riley's you know arguably the best in the business, if not the best. He's definitely one of them, and I have a feeling they'll they'll come back just fine. They don't have any draft picks this year, but 
I don't think they need it. I think this roster is built to try to win right now. I don't know if they. I don't think they have the firepower, but maybe you know you never know what what uh, Pat Riley can pull off, and maybe he can convince a couple players to take cuts and and come play for the Heat. Well, I mean, even if they did have a draft pick, because uh, their draft pick goes to the 76ers this year in the first round. Who who are they? Who were they going to get at twenty four? That's going to be yeah uh, good for them right or right right this year. Right. I mean, I don't I don't think that would help them too much anyway. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, yeah, I agree with you. It's just they're not they don't have the draft picks, but they don't need it because their roster is not yeah. in a rebuilding mode. It's I think they made the right move to get rid of the the draft picks to get whatever they whatever they got in return for it. So yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I like this roster. I think it can be. Successful going forward, but you know we'll, we'll have to see what they do in the off season. I'm excited for that, and and uh, some other teams obviously. But the Heat, the Heat intrigue me. Um, but let's go ahead and uh, move on to the Western Conference. Uh, another sort of short series uh, between the Warriors and the Trailblazers, a five game series. Uh, Steph didn't play in, in games one, uh, two, or three. Uh, Clay Thompson was huge for the Warriors in game one. Uh, Draymond was pretty helpful with the triple double. Uh, but the Trailblazers Pretty did. Pretty helpful with the triple double. Yeah, uh, the Trailblazers were able to steal Game Three, and then it was a really interesting situation because Curry was will he play? Won't he play? He's on the bike in the sideline. But the Warriors were down 16 to two with less than six minutes to go in the first quarter, and then War- and then Steph checked in and uh, helped the Warriors turn things around in that game. Yeah, I mean, that was the game that went to overtime, correct? Yeah, that was the game uh, that they went to overtime. Steph had 40, including an NBA record 17 points in overtime. Uh, He also had nine rebounds and eight assists. He led his team in all three of those categories in that game. And he is just, when he's on, he's, he's, uh, he's, you know, arguably right there with the, with, uh, I wouldn't say LeBron, but I mean, maybe he is. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty scary when, when he starts hitting shots and gets in a rhythm. Um, I've I've even said before that he's not even the streakiest or I guess hottest shooter. I mean, when Clay Thompson gets hot, it's pretty scary. Also, so I'm not sure at this point which one uh, when they get going who's who's even more uh, uh, dangerous. I guess, but they're, they're both very good and on the same team, which makes that team just so good. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. That's what makes them so so tough to beat because if Curry's on, you, you know. <sighs> They're just getting these, yeah, exactly. And then, like you said, if Curry's playing decently, which is still <laughs> one of the best players in the league, and then Clay's on again, good luck. So, you know, it's really a matter of them not being on for you to have a chance to win a game against this team. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens with going forward with them. Um, you know, but just looking at, I guess, the Trailblazers, uh, they have Chris Kamen, Gerald Henderson, Brian Roberts, unrestricted free agents. Myers Leonard, Harkless, and Crabtree are restricted free agents. Um, pretty young team. I thought they overachieved this year. I think we both did. They had no business being in the second uh, second round anyway, but the Clippers were injured. They have some work to do. They have some pieces missing, but I, I like their base. It's young. Um, it's young, you know, and and athletic, and they have two really good guards, and they're just missing a couple pieces. I, I don't know how far they are away, but I like what they have. Yeah, I mean. Uh, this was the most impressive uh, series by any team, I thought. I mean, them taking a game, I mean, yes, it was Curryless but uh, in game three, but uh, they still were in all those games. Like you said, they were up 16-2 to two in game four. Uh, this team really fought and really played well. Uh, I was really impressed with them. And Lillard and McCollum uh, are probably two of the 
uh, or I guess the brightest backcourt in the NBA right now uh, for young players. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you there. I mean, like you said, Curry's out in Game Three, and and they 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 win that game. It's still impressive. I mean, the Warriors are just a lot better than the Trailblazers. I thought they played them tough in stretches throughout the series. They just, you know, it's as good as you could do, really. Um, I know that, you know, there was some frustration in some games with refereeing and this and that, but, you know, they just lost to a better team, and there's no shame in that. Uh, let's remember something. This team had the lowest salary cap of any team in the NBA this year. Um, so they're, they they really have done a good job in that organization. They only have $25 lower, million. I'm sorry? Lower than the Sixers? Yeah, the Sixers were 27th, and the, the Trailblazers were 30th. Orlando and Utah were the two teams sandwiched in between there. Only $61 million they were paying players on their roster this year, and only $25 million is locked up going into next year. So they have a lot of room. That's another team because of how well they did this year. Um, I, I could see them possibly attracting somebody or a couple decent players to go there also. Um, it's just another team to add into this, this mix. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens in this offseason because there's a lot of teams that are very close to to making a run at, at you know, be, being able to be a championship contending team. So there's a lot of options was what I'm trying to say for these free agents coming up this year. I'll throw a uh, player's name out here that uh, I think would be very interesting because it, it's kind of what Portland needs uh, player-wise, but uh, personality-wise maybe not. Uh, Dwight Howard is a free agent. Wow. Yeah, I mean, somebody's going to – take a chance on him obviously I think I mean I don't know maybe I won't speak for you but I would not get anywhere near that I think that's a that's a hot mess but he's gonna land somewhere and I mean maybe because he's getting older and this is like gonna be his like bajillionth team I guess it's only his fourth team but it feels like his bajillionth team um maybe he will settle down a little bit and start to focus on maybe he you know wants to actually win a championship or try to get you know close again I mean, adding Dwight, if he – just adding Dwight, they'll, they'll be a lot better, obviously. And they're not going to be a championship contender unless he decides to be a, a different player that, you know, works hard when he's playing, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, he just doesn't belong in Houston. I, I know he's not going to go back there just because they don't utilize him. I mean, they just don't need a center like him, and you're paying him too much money. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and he wasn't happy in Houston. I mean, I remember one game. Uh, Dwight Howard, I think, total shots were four, and he played about 30-some minutes. I mean, <laughs> for a player like Dwight Howard, he shouldn't be shooting four times um, when he plays that many minutes. Yeah, I know that there was a problem with touches, and I I don't know how to feel about the whole touches thing. I mean, guys want to get their touches and whatever. You know, as a coach, you got to kind of balance that. And, you know, you know, you don't want to force the issue, you know, and, and, you know, keep harping on the same thing over and over. But when you have a player of his caliber, as much as I, you know, hate on him at times, he's still a really good player. And, you know, as a coach, you got to make sure that you work him into the offense and that guys are you go getting him the basketball, um, you know, because you're not challenging the other team if you're not taking shots that close to the rim, especially with a guy that big. Um, but, you know. I don't know. We'll see what happens with him. That's going to be a – I'm sure he'll take up a lot of the headlines, which will annoy me. But it, it should be interesting to see which organization holds their breath and decides to, to sign Dwight Howard this offseason. Yeah, and I think if they can use him correctly uh, in their offense, um, I mean, that team's going to get much better than they are. Yeah, I agree. Um, that and maybe one other guy could – 
be a championship caliber team because I think Damian Lillard is going to get better. Uh, McCollum, I think, still has room to grow also, even though he really, I think, overachieved this year. Uh, but hopefully hopefully I'm wrong for them, for their sake. Maybe that's, you know, the player that he is, and they can maybe add someone like Dwight and one other guy and, and some bench players. I mean, I, I like what they have, though. Like I said, they're they're young, so we'll see what happens. Also, uh, Aminu had a great series against the Warriors, and if he can build on that, it's kind of like uh, McCollum's uh, series from last year. Um, I think Lillard, Lillard got hurt. Um, last year, and McCollum played great in that series and built on it this year uh, to win most improved player. So, yeah. I mean, if Aminu can do that, I mean, because I was really impressed with his series. Yes, and I think the other person that's kind of surprised me, this isn't my most surprise, but uh, Plumlee throughout the playoffs I thought was was pretty good. He's a really well-rounded player. Um, you could slide him over maybe to power forward because you can't be playing. They don't have anybody else there. Uh, but like I said, they're young. You know, they get Howard or somebody in there. They could really make some noise. So we'll, we'll see what happens, like I said, in, in the offseason with them as well. Um, the last uh, the last series of the second round was between the Thunder and the Spurs. I was super surprised in this series. The Spurs came out in game one. They they outscored the Thunder 43-20 to in the first quarter. Uh, they won the game by 32. And from then on, the, the series was really close. There were some huge games from... Uh, from a lot of different guys. Le- Le- Leonard was over 30, I think, more than once. Durant was over 40 at times. Uh, uh, Westbrook was over 30. I think Aldridge uh, had a game where he was had 38, another game he had 41. So there was a lot of scoring by superstars. To me, honestly, this was like a 2v2 kind of matchup. Uh, I spend- expected more of a well-rounded approach from the Spurs, but honestly, it was like a two-man show from them. Yeah, and you, you can't take that approach... <laughs> when playing the team that has the best duo in the league. Right. And, and that, that's why they lost the Thunder. Um, for other reasons also. But uh, when you're trying to play two against two, uh, the Thunder always had the advantage. Yeah, I think uh, it was game five or game six. And, uh, yeah, it was the final game where they took the starters out for the Spurs and the subs came in and they kind of just, well, the way Popovich put it was uh, as soon as we substituted, it went to crap, which is a pretty good, summary of, of what happened a lot of times uh, with the subs and you know like I said you know the well-rounded approach was what I thought you would get from the Spurs and I thought that'd be overwhelming for what's really a, a two-man team in Oklahoma City I mean I don't want to uh, you know throw away the efforts of Ibaka and Adams but you know it was, it's really a two-man show at the end of the day and that's what you got from the Spurs and like you said I mean look Aldridge is great and, and, and Leonard is on his way to becoming one of the best players in the league but, you know, Westbrook and, and Durant are, are definitely, as a duo, far superior. Yeah, and I mean, in this series, it, it was those two that won the series. But, man, with, with all those guys that played too well, like you said, Adams, Cantor, Ibaka, I mean, their supporting cast really, really helped out. And they're going to have to continue to do that if they want to beat Golden State. Absolutely. I mean, I always say that, you know, the biggest thing that people – uh, forget about when they look at, at these rosters going to the playoffs is the bench. The bench has to step up. We always, you know, we always note stuff like that. It's, it's these guys. They they don't get, uh, you know, all the headlines and the credit. Um, obviously, Westbrook and Durant have to lead the way, but there's guys that score the baskets and get the rebounds in between all of that stuff going on in these games. And the guy that surprised me the most in the playoffs, 
is Steven Adams. I mean, he's been incredible. He's a tough guy, blocks shots, gets rebounds. I mean, he has been unbelievable for Oklahoma City. He could be, you know, arguably the difference other than obviously the superior the superior play of of Durant and Westbrook. But outside of that, I mean, he he was just unbelievable for them. And if he plays that well going forward, they're they're going to be trouble. To they're going to be very difficult to get rid of. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about this a little more uh, when we talk about the Warriors Thunder series. But I love how the they're playing Cantor and Adams together, and, and they're kind of just refusing to play small ball against the Warriors and playing their own brand of basketball. Yeah, and yeah, I don't want to preview that too much right now. But yeah, I mean that's the thing. Everyone seems to kind of think that because the Warriors are so good at what they're doing and they've kind of you know they have the best record ever and they seem to be revolutionizing the game in certain ways you know it doesn't mean that everyone has to emulate that exact style uh to be as successful as them or to even beat them you know sometimes the way to beat your opponent is to play a different style that they don't match up well with um i think focusing more on you know making sure your offense works well but when you're going up against a team like that you want to do what they have trouble defending. And like you said, I mean, as good as Draymond is down low, if you can get good interior post play, you know, you can you can give him trouble at times because he's at the end of the day, he's only 6'6". So, you know, if you box him out and focus on getting rebounds and all that stuff, you got to win the stuff outside of shooting threes. Uh, you kind of have to chalk that up to them unless Durant or Westbrook's hot and then win the other stuff, you know, the hustle and the rebounds and that kind of stuff to the physicality. Uh, to try to make a difference in those areas, you know, if you're going to try to beat, you know, Golden State. And uh, let's just hope that uh, that can work because uh, 76ers are going in a completely different direction, uh, building a team on the Warriors that uh, guard versus guys that are over 6'10". Yeah, that's why I have my uh, my thoughts about that kind of fleshed out because I know that that's what it looks like, and we'll get into a little bit of the – uh, the lottery and, and what we think is going to happen with that so a little bit later but yeah it does look like the Sixers are moving in that direction also so we'll see how that works out but just looking at the Spurs going forward I know a lot of people talk about you know the retirement of the big three and uh, uh, you know their their star players um, in, in Duncan Ginobili and, and Parker but you know I, I just don't think that that's the, really the team anymore uh, Duncan was you know hardly helpful at all you know, during the playoffs. Parker is still a good player. I don't know why he always gets grouped in with the other two who are significantly older than him. Parker is still a really good player. He has, you know, three, four, five maybe years left in him. Ginobili is also, you know, just just as maybe a little bit, uh, you know, a step ahead of, of Duncan still. But I, I, I see all those guys returning next year. I, I think Duncan's done. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he comes back. But he just, uh, I mean, he still has a lot in him, I think. I mean, well, not a lot, but a year or two. Uh, but I just don't see him coming back after uh, some of the late games. And he just didn't play a lot. Uh, didn't look good in some of them. Uh, so I think he's done. Well, they only have um, $62.4 million locked up going to next year. Bonner, Kevin Martin, Andre Miller, Marjanovic are unrestricted free agents. They'll probably bring back Kevin Martin and Marjanovic, I would guess. Uh, Ginobili, Duncan, and David West are all player options. I'm a, I am going to go the opposite of you. I think all three of those players opt in. Um, I think they should bring back Martin, definitely. Um, 
I I was so surprised at what happened in the Thunder series that it's kind of hard for me to analyze this going forward because I would expected myself to be saying after they lost to the Warriors in the next round, you know what, Leonard will be better next year. Duncan's going to be worse. Maybe they need to add one more guy uh, that can maybe start in place of Duncan and he could come off the bench um, and, and they can make a run at this thing. I still think I believe that, but I don't know. I don't know what they're missing. I know that Duncan can't be the starter. He's got to come off the bench, but I, I don't know. Maybe you have thoughts about this. I'm just kind of confused. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I switched to the, the Spurs to win it all, but uh, I remember uh, back in our preseason preview, I, I picked the Thunder to actually win that series. I uh, wish they stuck with that, but. Uh, I just don't know. Yeah, I agree. I don't know where they're going to go. Um, if Duncan leaves, um, they're going to have to get another big. Uh, I don't think West comes back either, probably. So, I, I mean, they probably have a bunch of guys overseas that we just don't know about. That's um, true. I mean, that's just the way, that's just the, way the Spurs operate. Uh, so we'll see if they have anybody lined up to come over. Uh, and if they do, if they can be a suitable replacement. I am so confident in the Spurs that I think that even if they lost all the guys we just mentioned, they'll still win 50 games next year. I think Parker... What is it, 16 straight years? Um, it's something like that, yeah. Because they even won 50 games in the short season. The 66-game season, they even won 50 games. Yeah, which is incredible. That's an incredible record. But <laughs> Parker will be um, just about as good. Danny Green will be equally as good as he was. Kawhi Leonard, I think, will be better next year, if that's even possible. Uh, and Aldridge will be just as good as he was. So that's the core that they really relied on this year anyway. Um, you know, obviously, yeah. Duncan and West, Ginobili, Andre Miller, Martin at times, also contributed. But I think they can replace those contributions. I don't think they were that significant. Obviously, you like to have Duncan on the bench. You know, he's a, he's a voice and a leader. But, you know, Popovich is a coach that guys actually listen to. So I don't think they'll miss him that much. I, I, I just think they can replace it. And if they even get a decent player, someone better than Duncan to come in at power forward, they could even be better next year and lose all those players. Yeah, uh, I could easily see that. I mean, like you said, this team has been so good for so long. And it's because of the organization, not the players. And they know exactly what they're doing. So it's not like they're in trouble um, at all uh, if they lose their players. I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the podcast before, but in Sam Hinkie's letter, he said that the the San Antonio Spurs had their eyes on Aldridge from from five years out. They, they were thinking about yep. grabbing him five years ago. So this team has a plan. This is not – they expected – the they probably have planned for the worst. So they've planned for Duncan to be gone and Ginobili to be gone, etc. So that's that's how this organization is run. They have plan B and plan C and plan D and so on and so forth for this year, for next year, and for the future. So, you know, they're just – they set themselves up to transition so smoothly with, with the way that Leonard's come up and then with the addition of Aldridge. So it's just amazing what they're able to do. Uh, and like I said, I mean, a lot of people I think are going to, if Duncan retires and Ginobili, oh, you know, it's over. They're not going to. And what they're missing is that those guys really aren't contributing that much anymore. Um, but anyways, that that's a recap of the second round. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we are going to talk about, we're going to preview the uh, conference finals in both the Eastern and Western Conference and also talk about what happened in this week's uh, draft lottery. Bob Long Sports, Bob Long Sports, your daily dose of sports. Sports. 
BobLongSports.com gives you not only the best radio broadcasts on the internet, but plenty of articles as well. Stay up to date on your Penn State football team. Stay up to date on college football, the MLB, the NFL, and every other major sport out there. Tune in to all the radio shows and be sure to check our website regularly to see what content we have up now. And when you hear that jingle... Bob Long Sports, Bob Long Sports, your daily dose of sports. Sports. You know you're in the right place. Hey, Bob Long Sports fans, how can you stay involved with the site anytime? A reminder to follow us on Twitter, at Bob Long Sports. You can also access our Facebook group. Just search Bob Long Sports and it'll come right up. And then, if you have a smartphone, you can listen to any of our live programming by visiting the Ustream app, that's U-S-T-R-E-A-M, searching Bob Long Sports, all one word, and you can access any live programming on the Bob Long Sports Network. So be sure to stay connected to Bob Long Sports. Elmark Signs and Graphics, your choice for custom signs and design, has been servicing the Philadelphia area for over 30 years. From illuminated signs to vehicle wraps, Elmark Signs is your choice for all your custom signs needs. Elmark delivers high-quality signs with a courteous, helpful, and experienced staff. Visit them at lmarksigns.com or give them a call at 610-692-0525. Again, that's lmarksigns.com. 610-692-0525. Go check out their website for some great examples of signs that Elmark has created and be sure to tell them that Bob Long Sports sent you. Elmarksigns.com, your choice for custom signs and design. Welcome back to the Pick and Roll Podcast. Uh, as I said, right now we're going to go ahead and preview the conference finals. We'll start out in the East as we always do. And this series, well, let's just, I guess, talk about what we predicted was going to happen. Uh, my prediction was the Cavaliers in five. Uh, actually thought that the Cavs would win the first two. Toronto would get one at home, and then the Cavs would close the, game, the series out in five uh, back in Cleveland. What was your prediction, Kev? I predicted five also. Uh, basically the same thing. Uh, I assumed Toronto would get one at home, and uh, Cavaliers would take one and win all those home games. So, uh no surprises so far right now it's 2-1 um Cleveland and uh I mean none of the games have been particularly close though that's the thing that's that's very interesting I mean I think you know Cleveland coming out game one really blowing out uh Toronto in that game not really that surprising uh you know Toronto's really good obviously they're a great team but we kind of expected them to get beat up in a couple games I mean Cleveland's just superior and then you know game two Cleveland came out and kind of beat them up again and you start to scratch your head and wonder, man, are they really going to sweep Toronto? And then Toronto goes home and, and beats Cleveland by 15 at home. So this has been a really wild up and down series. I'm sticking with my guns, though. I think that Cleveland will find a way to win in Toronto and then and wrap everything up in, at home. I, they definitely don't want to go any longer in this series because the advantage they have going forward right now is that they haven't played as many games as Golden State. And we'll talk about that series next. But if, if Golden State plays a couple extra games, I mean, that could be a huge advantage for Cleveland. Well, you're just assuming that Golden State wins. I see how it is. But like we mentioned, the Cavaliers have been shooting so well, and they just couldn't do it for an entire playoffs, and it finally hit them in Game 3. Right. Uh, Kevin Love shot 1 for 9, and Kyrie Irving 3 for 19. That That's going to happen. I mean, if you're shooting that well, it's just you can't shoot, what, 60 and 70% um, for an entire playoffs, and uh, the Cavaliers are going to have games like that. I mean, it's the, it's the uh, nature of the beast uh, and the three-point line. Well, here's the thing. They only shot 20 in game one, 
and 21 in Game 2. And they've shot a very poor percentage in both games, 35% Game 1, 33% Game 2. But they weren't relying on it. They only shot about 20 of them. It's just when you shoot 23s in an NBA game, that's just happening in the flow of the offense. That's not an emphasis of what you're trying to do. And they, they won both of those games handily because they're playing their game. They got out of their game, I think, in Game 3. They shot 41 threes. They only made 14. They shot the same percentage, 34%, maybe a little bit higher even. But they shot 41 of them. That's way too many threes to be taking for that team. It's one thing when you start out in the first quarter and everyone seems to be knocking down a couple threes and you decide in the second quarter, let's let's try to take a couple more threes. And every, you know, your threes are just pouring in the basket. Half of your threes are going in. That's different than, yeah, shoot a bunch of threes for the rest of the game. Bow it open. But when it's not working, you can't just continually rely on it. And I think, I don't know what happened in game three that made them shoot that many threes, but maybe they were you know trailing and they thought they could just shoot their way out of it but they're not the warriors you know they're their own team and they got to focus on what makes them great which is you know lebron driving and kyrie driving and then you know occasionally you kick out to jr smith or kevin love or whatever well yeah jr smith shot 15 of those threes and uh, i mean that number is obviously going to go up uh to 41 uh compared to the 20 and 21 they shot in the first two games yeah i mean it's just like i said you know don't think it's something that you do well you know when it's going in you can shoot some more of them but that's I don't think that's their game like I said I think it's more you know let LeBron drive and Kyrie drive and you know try to get to the basket get fouled or dump it off to Mozgov or or somebody else down low Tristan Thompson get him his touches down low kind of pound it inside with him a couple of times and then yeah when when you kick it out and you're open knock it down but, you know, like any other team, when the threes are going in, you know, shoot a couple more of them. That's fine. But it's just not their game. And it's something that, you know, I, I, I said after round one, you know, they're shooting too many. And obviously, like I said, I was wrong about that in round two. But it's just, I don't know. I just don't think, like you said, you can't keep it up like that. I think they got hot for a while. Uh, you have that up and down throughout a season and even in the playoffs where you go games where you're just kind of hot from a certain area. But, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're better at shooting threes than I think and they just had an off night I don't know well uh, Love James and Irving shot 3 to 15 so that just can't continue if you're going to want to win games uh, so we'll see what their approach is next game I, I would assume that they're going to be back down to that 20-25 range rather than a 41 number yeah um, I would assume the same as well I think what they'll do is they're going to look at the tape of the game and go, wow, we took way too many threes, and they probably settled for, for too many threes and, and took shots early in the clock. Uh, but like I said, maybe some of that in the second half was, um, you know, they were down a, a decent margin and thought, man, we really need to come back and start taking some silly shots. You know, you can erase leads in the NBA pretty quick. I mean, 10, 15 points can be nothing. Um, you know, if you really focus and you, you focus on your offense and you get a couple, you knock a couple shots down, you know, these guys are so good that you get one or two guys hot for a few minutes. You can erase a lead even with twos or driving to the basket and getting fouled, you know, or working at a possession by possession. But I just never think it's a good strategy unless, you know, it's the waning minutes of a game to come down and just take, you know, threes that are contested early in the shot clock. That's the thing that I think they have to emphasize, not doing that. I mean, and that's something that it's uh, it's not just them. It's a, it's a rule in basketball. You don't come down early in a shot clock and take a contested three. You know. Yeah, and maybe this will be a lesson for them. Uh, maybe they're going to learn being down and having to come back. And they did it a couple times against the Hawks, but they were making the threes at that time. So they learned that if they're not dropping, they got they have to learn to drive and score the easy ways and just play defense and get stops. 
All right, we'll, so we'll see if that can help them going forward. So I think we both we both agree that we think they'll they'll close the series out in the next two games. Then, right? Yeah, I, I think they win in five still. Okay, cool. All right, so let's go ahead and look over to the Western Conference. I think for me, well, I guess let's look at our predictions first. I have Golden State in six. What about you? I I really wanted to pick uh, Oklahoma City in six, uh, but I went with. Golden State in seven uh, because they are the home team. I really think I would have picked Oklahoma City if that game seven was in Oklahoma City. So basically, you're thinking it's going to be a, a really close series, but you're you're leaning towards the home the team with home te- home court advantage. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. I, I think just those two teams uh, are very close. And in the game seven, <laughs> Russell Westbrook is just so frustrating to watch at the end of the game. And we saw in game one, uh, I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen at this point, the, the walk uh, when, when he was running up the court and tried calling timeout. His, I mean, his foot slid about a good foot. Uh, Steve Kerr wanted the, the walk and traveling calls, but it just wasn't. He got the timeout. Yeah, I mean, it's there's been a lot of controversy over refereeing uh, in these NBA playoffs, a lot of controversy. And I think the lack of review is bothering people. We're now at this point... Uh, with our refereeing in sports where we want everything reviewed. Um, I don't really mind it. I, like I have said before, I, I just think it needs to be streamlined to be faster. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... Yeah, the, the game gets so slow. Right. They need to figure out a way to have somebody already reviewing it and just call down and say, look, it's, you know, within a few seconds already no look. I mean, a call like that, the person looking... When they show us a replay on TV five seconds later, everybody can see it's a walk. It's not a close call. It's not like the guy may or may not have stepped out of bounds and you have to zoom in on his foot. This is clear. I mean, his foot slid. He walked. The ref missed it. Fine. It takes two seconds for someone to watch that on a monitor and see that it's clearly a walk. You know? It's stuff like that that yep. I think in our with the technology we have, it's just unacceptable to people. Yeah, and I mean, who knows if that made a difference in the game. Uh they were still winning at that point, but at least they would have made the right call. Um, then it's been happening the whole the whole playoffs. Like you said, that the Thunder Spurs game, where what the last 13 seconds the NBA admitted they made five mistakes yeah. uh, by not calling anything. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I guess the 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 protocol is for transparency, or whatever. But I mean, man, they just look even worse. Like we already know you missed calls, and most people weren't even talking about some of the calls they admitted to missing. It's just bringing light to like all the mistakes you made, and you're just unwilling to like fix them. I I, I don't understand how that even helps refs. Like they, it's not like these things. These things are happening that they've never seen before. Like the one thing with. Uh, I think uh, it was Deion Waiters inbounding the ball, shoving Ginobili. Like that, that might help a referee. But missing foul calls and stuff like that's stuff that they've they've seen already. They're watching the game, and they're purposefully not calling a lot of stuff because they don't want their whistle to affect the outcome of the game. They want it to be a blatant foul for them to call something. Yeah, but then also they they don't want to affect the game. But them not blowing the whistles affects the game. Yeah, uh, I mean, true. if it's a foul, you got to call the foul. It's <laughs> Teams are just going to get away with so much at the end of games now that they know the refs aren't going to be calling it. Yeah, and it, it's just like, look, I like the whole replay thing, like I said. I don't mind it. This is where technology is fine. But, you know, refereeing is a part of the game. 
you can't just stop refereeing. And I hate the whole change the ref way the re refereeing for star players or change the way we're refereeing because it's the end of the game thing. The game is the game. If, a f if, if X is a foul, X is a foul whether it's in the first minute of the first quarter or in the last minute of the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? You don't call a slap in the wrist in the first quarter, then don't call it in the fourth. That's not that's not how the game is. And I agree with you. All it's doing really is letting teams know, hey, if you do this, you'll probably get away with it because the refs don't usually see it. Yeah, and that always bothered me when people would say, uh, like if, if there's a foul at the end of the game, they're like, oh, well, they're not going to call that in the last 30 seconds. Well, why not? If you're going to call it the rest of the game, then call it in the last 30 seconds. If it's a foul, then it's a foul. Why? I mean, it's just like, it's just like in baseball, if uh, an ump's calling a strike the entire game, but then in the ninth inning changes it, I mean, you have to stay consistent throughout the entire game. And I don't know why, you know, people just want to blame somebody else. You know, at the end of the game, there's going to be a clear foul on someone. Like, oh, I can't believe the ref called that. It's clearly a foul. The, the, it's the player's fault for fouling, not the ref for calling it. The ref's job is to call the foul. The player is the one who did the actual action, you know, and it's just, I think people want to look, you know, for a scapegoat. They don't want to blame. You know, their favorite player, Russell Westbrook, when he, you know, makes a bonehead mistake and the ref calls him on it, you know, at the end of the game. But I think the refs just don't want to be the person that, you know, their name is, you know, in the headlines and everyone's talking about the call that they made and all this kind of stuff. So, and I think there's also the fear of, man, you know, if I call something and then it looks like later that it wasn't really a foul and then the person made free throws and won the game. I mean, you know, that's no good either because the refs are, you know, they're, they're swallowing their whistles because... They can't, and if they're swallowing their whistles, they can't do their job as well either. So, uh, it's just, it's a, it's really just a bad situation. Yeah, I mean, I understand that refs don't want to be the scapegoat, I guess, and get <laughs> threats from uh, strange and weird fans. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I couldn't name, I can't name a ref in the NBA. I, I, I don't know their names, and I mean, maybe that's a good thing, but I, I couldn't. I mean, I don't know how many people know the rest names anyway. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we all know Joey Crawford, but that's... Uh, well, isn't he retired? I he, thought he retired this Yeah, year. that's true. He is retired. Uh, yeah, but, okay. you know, he, he, he made a name for himself. I mean, he brought attention to himself by being, you know, emphatic and, and flamboyant while refereeing. I mean, he was like a show on the court. There was no reason for him to be doing what he was doing. And, you know, he kind of made his own thing and you know fans groaned about it you know they you know you shouldn't notice the referees there i mean the call should be obvious they see it they call it that's it and you know it's a whole it's a whole thing now because people think like you said people when they watch games they say you know oh they're not going to call that or oh you know lebron's definitely going to get that call just because he's lebron and stuff like that so it's it's at a point now where i, I don't know if it's even fixable you know yep yeah i mean it's just it, it shouldn't be a big part of the game they should just be doing their jobs and I mean, and it's it's another point of the fact that the players now can do whatever they want to the refs. I mean, Draymond gets in the face of those refs every single game, and I can't believe he doesn't get teed up more. Uh, I, I think the refs need to to keep control uh, more than they do. And if the players aren't crying so much, then the fans won't cry so much. I yeah, that's the other thing too. I mean, they allow you know the the coaches and the and the and the players 
to just yell and scream and and do all kinds of crazy stuff on the court and I agree with you. I mean, that just trickles down. You know, when you see Draymond complaining, you want to complain about it too because, you know, he's your favorite player. He's, you know, on your team or whatever. And same thing with, with Steve Kerr when he's complaining. I don't mean to pick on the Warriors players, but you know what I mean? Any team, any players, everybody does it. And I agree. You know, that's another problem. I've always, I've always you know, not liked that because it affects the referees in the way they call the game. And um, Well, I think Kerr did a good job. Um, obviously, at, in the moment, he... Uh, one wanted the call, I, but afterwards I don't think he complained too much to the rest. And even the post game, I think he did a very good job. Uh, I think it was just in that moment his immediate reaction of the walk. Yeah, I mean, and that's the way it is. I mean, if you're in the heat of the moment. I understand that, but you know, and I'm not picking on him particularly in that situation. But you know, we've seen players and coaches go crazy, and and Draymond's a great example that you bring up. He's not the only one who does this, but some of these guys are just out of control. It's every call. They can't believe it. They're you know making a scene about it. It's just it's yeah. it's, it's it's theatrical. It's ridiculous. But um, yes, yeah, so, I mean hopefully they they can take more control of the refs. That is, take more control of the game. Uh, post whistle so i mean once the whistle's blown uh we don't see the players throwing their arms up and yelling and screaming and all that yeah well uh looking at uh the series going forward i'm gonna stick with my pick with golden state in six um i am basing that on they looked decent it's not like they lost by a lot uh but they they looked really good in game two they have a lot of work to do they need to get definitely get one obviously in oklahoma city i think that's not too much to ask for and then they'll have to get their one back at home and then hopefully close out in game six for my prediction to be correct. Yeah, I just have trouble seeing them win two out of three in Oklahoma City um, out of three games three, four, and six. Uh, so I'm going to stick with my original one as Golden State in seven. Uh, but if they keep playing like they did in game two, um, it's it, it might even go shorter than that. So yeah, I mean, might be it, right with six. Yeah, as as good as Westbrook and Durant are when the Warriors are really on I mean they won 73 games this year you know there's no surprise when they're on their game you know they're they're tough to beat so obviously and I'm with you I think I'm sticking with my prediction my gut my prediction but um it does look more like a seven game series when I was thinking about my prediction I was assuming that you know Golden State would win the first two at home and would have a little bit more wiggle room uh with with what to do there but we'll see what happens I guess yeah, and no matter what, I, I hope the games are close and it's going to be a good series because these two these two teams are, uh, I mean, even if this first came out, those three teams are by far the three best teams in the West, uh, especially with the Clippers' uh, injuries. So, I mean, this was a series we all wanted to see. Yeah, hopefully uh, we can get some more close games too, like more like game one than, than game two. And, and, you know, even if the Warriors are playing well, because I think it's so fun when they're playing well, you know, if if Durant and Westbrook can also, you know, have some excellent games, I think they can really still compete, and, and uh, this could be a heck of a series. But like you said, I mean, if the Warriors play like they did in Game 2, you know, this could get this could get out of control pretty quickly. Um, and the, the Warriors do not have anybody that can cover Russell Westbrook. He is, I mean, not a lot of teams do. He's a freak of an athlete and so fast compared to Kerry. Uh, so, I mean, him trying to cover him, it's, it, it's kind of like Westbrook trying to cover Kerry. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really tough matchups on both ends. There's just so many great players in this series that are tough to match up with. I mean, Clay when he gets hot, like you mentioned earlier. Steph obviously is a matchup nightmare all the time. And and Durant and Westbrook are obviously two of the most two of the hardest guys in the in the league to guard. One's a seven foot shooting guard and the other is literally an athletic nightmare. I mean, he is some of the plays he makes are just unbelievable. I don't know how the human body does what he does um, especially when he's you know got the basketball in his hand or he's pursuing the basketball um, it's just it's incredible to watch him I know that sometimes still he's out of control but man it, it's still fun to watch him you know just zoom all over the court yeah I mean incredible athlete and I mean just watch a, a few highlights of him and you'll, and you'll see how ridiculous he is I mean people talk about how uh, LeBron's a freak of an athlete and uh, I, I think Westbrook's definitely in that conversation with LeBron. Yeah, I mean the thing with LeBron is that he's 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 large also. So when he's yeah. when he goes down the paint and he throws down one of those ridiculous jams, you got to remember the guy is six foot eight. Um, and I think what's amazing about him is a little bit different in that no one that big has ever been able to move like that. I think that's what's so crazy and mind blowing to people. I mean, people have been you know big and athletic. Like Will Chamberlain was seven foot. You know, and he was super athletic, but no one can move like LeBron and, and 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 jump and leap and all those things like him at that size. But for me, I think was for my money, I think Westbrook is actually more athletic. Um, you got to remember, he's only maybe six four. I don't even think he's that big, honestly. And he just the way he gets up is just unbelievable. Uh, he can move in every di- different direction so quickly, fast. He's he's just, I mean, he's just incredible to watch. I'd love to see him on a football field. Um, but but um. But anyway, that's that's our prediction so far for that. Uh, going forward, I think, you know, like I said, I, I guess I'm pretty confident in my Golden State pick the way I was talking about what, Go- what Cleveland needs to do in their series in order to be rested up for Golden State. But, I mean, if I'm, Gold- if I'm Cleveland, I definitely have my fingers crossed that I'm playing Oklahoma City. I think that uh, Oklahoma City just isn't as good of a team. Um, it would be really cool to see LeBron play against Durant. Yeah, hey, what do we see it four years ago now? Is that how long it's been? Yeah, it's been a um, while. Yeah, so, um, I mean, actually it might be five years right now. Is that 2011? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah because you have the, uh, no, I think it was. It was no, the, it was 2012. Yeah, it was the first. It was the first. So it, this year, I guess it would be five years since. There's been, it's been three finals since, but, um yeah, so this would be the fourth final since that happened. So I, I don't know. It depends on how you want to say it. But. Okay. So, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, to see those two play each other again uh, would be great. And, I mean, neither of us are predicting it, but I don't think either of us would be shocked if we saw Oklahoma City win it all. No, I think coming into the last round, I would have been shocked. But after what they did against San Antonio, I'm super impressed by them. And um, I would be surprised, definitely. But, sh- but it doesn't – no, it wouldn't – I wouldn't be totally shocked. I would be, man, really disappointed in Golden State, though. I will say that much. I would be super disappointed in, in Golden State. I mean, they won 73 games this year. I mean, less anything less than winning the championship, to me, is failure. I mean, not even getting there, that's that's just, I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right now they're in the argument for the greatest team ever. and They won't be completely forgotten, but they will not be in that conversation at all um, if they can't win the title. Right. Well, let's let's go from talking about some of the best teams in the NBA to some of the uh, let's say worst, I guess, teams uh, in the NBA that were involved in the NBA uh, NBA draft lottery. 
and I'm gonna pass it to you to alert everyone and let them know how crazy and how unbelievable and unlikely it was that every team got the pick that they were supposed to get. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't seem that crazy, right? I mean, none of the teams moved at all, uh, but it's the first time that it ever happened. And if you look at it, the, the 76ers only had a 25% chance to get the first pick. The Lakers only had 18.8% chance. And then the Nets slash Celtics uh, had a 15.6% chance uh, to get all those picks. So, so in reality, uh, it's basically a 0.7% chance that all that happened, uh, which uh, even though it's the most likely occurrence, still pretty crazy uh, that, that, no, that nobody moved at all. Well, you said it was 0.7%, right? 0.7%. And, and so, and that's still the highest possibility? Well, yeah, it has to be. I mean, since those are the, every team landed in the in the highest spot they possibly could have. So that, oh my goodness. So, so percentage-wise, highest percentage-wise. So you're saying, wow, that is, okay. Yeah, that is, that is truly something. I think, I think, if you had people guess at percentages, they would guess, I mean, obviously they guess more than 1%. I think they would guess well into double digits. I mean, I think most people, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't think about the math in that way, and they would just kind of guess, well, it makes sense that everything would probably most likely come out going the same way. I think most people, when they hear that number, are going to be super surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about it, what is the lottery existed? I forget when the current format uh, changed, but it's been over at least over 20 years, um, and it's never happened before. So obviously, uh, it's not as likely as you would think. Yeah, that's the other thing that surprised me. I was surprised that it, it never happened before. I think, you know, saying that first, you're like, "Wow, that's kind of strange," but man, the the 0.7 percent—that's the thing that's just flabbergasting. It's like, "Wow, how is that possible?" That the chances of everything going according to plan according to not plan but according to the way it's lined up is that low when the percentages are not that high for for people to to win or whatever so i i don't know it's it's it seems it seems like it would be a likely scenario but um but anyways the sixers our team they they did get the first pick thankfully i mean i think a lot of people are kind of hoping for two and four i was hoping for two and four personally but i'll take number one as a consolation uh if you could call it that and I think that the Sixers will go with Ben Simmons. I don't want them to take anyone else unless they trade the pick. I'm okay with trading down and grabbing somebody else and and getting something back in return. So, so why did you want two and four instead of one and four? Oh, is one and four an option? Yeah, one and four is an option. Oh, my goodness. See, now I didn't realize that one and four is an option. I thought two and four was the best possibility. Wow. So we could. Uh, have, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So if, if two teams jumped in, if, if the Sixers got one and two teams jumped at two and three, that means the Lakers would have bumped back down to four. So one and four was definitely an option. Wow. Which would have been crazy. Oh yeah. I mean, of course that would have been. Man, I mean, we were celebrating. I mean, I was celebrating. People all over Sixers fans. I mean, it was crazy from what I hear. Uh, down at the complex at the Xfinity, and I, I can't imagine if it got one and four, there probably would have been fires in the streets. But uh, it's pretty exciting for Sixers fans. Um, I guess the Lakers probably are not that excited about it. They they don't care about that. They just want to 
hang some more banners. And for the Celtics, you know, it's a big deal getting the third pick to add to the young roster they already have, probably one piece away from being a true contender. And we'll see what they can do in the offseason. We speculated before about a couple of players possibly ending up there to really turn that turn their uh, you know franchise. Well, they're they're already in the right direction, but maybe to make that next step. Yeah, and uh, the Lakers and Celtics have both uh, already rumors about trading their picks. And I heard one, and well, I'll see what you think of this. Uh, Okafor for the third pick overall, and, and sending him to the Celtics. What is your opinion on that? Uh, I would not do that. Um, I don't understand. Okay, good. I don't understand people because, I mean, look what you got out of him in the first year. He was probably the second best rookie this year. I mean, Towns is like a franchise player. Okafor, maybe, maybe not a franchise player. Probably not, but he's still a guy that looks like he'll be in a lot of all-star games. And I don't understand why you would trade him unless you were sure you had something else. And I hate this whole, oh, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid, the man has never played before. I don't mind... The, the hope, I don't mind saying this is going to be our guy. That's fine. But you can't make moves based on that. You have to let him play first and then see what you have. And then you can move, you know, Okafor later if it doesn't fit. But I don't understand why you can't have a bunch of big men either. I don't know what the rush is to, to run Okafor out of town. I mean, why? I don't know why people don't like him. Yeah, and here's my big problem with the trade. And you say, yeah, Okafor is the third pick overall last year. So you're just changing it to the third pick this year. Okafor is not a typical third overall no. pick. I mean, he he was in the conversation for the first overall pick, and Towns, uh, the Timberwolves obviously went with Towns. But I, there was no way I thought that he was going to drop the three. So when when I saw the Lakers take Russell, I, I was so happy that, that and hoping that the Sixers would take Okafor at three that I don't think a third overall pick last year is necessarily equivalent to a third overall pick this year. No, listen. If you, let's say you combine both draft both draft classes. There is no doubt in my mind that the first four picks, no particular order, are Simmons, Towns, Russell, Okafor. Those four guys are definitely going in the first four picks of a combined draft. There's not even a conversation about anybody else. So that that's the difference. Like you said... Oh, maybe Okafor goes one, two, whatever in there. But he's definitely in the first four picks. So out of all the players in the two drafts, he's definitely one of the best four options. So you're trading back. Like you said, you're not getting a three for a three. You're trading back. Now, I don't know how to equate that when you break up the two drafts. Maybe you could say, well, you're basically getting a fourth or a fifth in the other draft. Maybe you could say that. I don't know. But that's that's what it is. And, and yeah, it's just not, it's not an even trade at all. Yeah, and like you said, I hope they don't get rid of Okafor. Um, I think he's potentially a very, very good player uh, in future All-Star. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's been a lot of rumors, and who knows if the rumors are true uh, about him being traded, but I, I just hope they aren't. Yeah, and the thing that stinks is that, you know, I didn't like this whole rebuilding thing. I didn't like, you know, the whole the whole ordeal. But like I said before, Hinky was doing a really good job of it. He was doing for his plan, it couldn't have gone any better. <laughs> 
like literally. Now, I don't like that plan, but it, he was executing it perfectly. And the Sixers decided that's what they wanted to do. And then they fire the guy who's in the final stages of executing that plan. We're in a place right now where all this can get really messed up in the next couple of months with a couple of bad trades. So for Sixers fans, the future looks bright, but man, I am, I am very nervous about what these new people in our organization are going to do with somebody else's plan. Yeah, and and when I look at that roster, I just I find it so hard to not see a Simmons, Okafor, and Embiid combination succeed, and and that makes me hopeful for the future. But just just seeing those three on the roster, it, it I just can't see it not working out. I don't understand why in some kind of way. Yeah, I don't understand why everyone has to leap to these conclusions about oh he can't play with him. I don't understand how you know that somebody can't play with somebody else when the two people have literally never played before. And you know we came to this conclusion early in the year with Noel and Okafor. You know it t- sometimes it takes a while. Look what happened when when LeBron and and Bosch went to the Heat. It took a year for them to figure out what the heck they were doing. Wade had to give the team over to LeBron. Bosch had to figure out how to be the third best player on a team. Same thing what's going on in Cleveland. It took them a year to figure out, you know, because even with the injuries last year, they really weren't, and maybe they would have won the finals, I don't know, but they were working some kinks out, definitely. They look a lot better this year than they did last year. You know, Love's got to figure out how to be the third best player. You know, everyone's got to figure out their role in the team. Yeah, and we'll see if the Cavs have figured that add that out, and if, well, maybe, maybe they're just not as good as as the Warriors. will I mean, we'll see that possibly in the finals. Uh, but yeah, I mean, things take a while, and I mean, a couple of years ago, if you told somebody that the NBA champions had a six-six center, they probably wouldn't believe you. Uh, so, because players don't seem like they might not be able to play together or if you don't think they could play together for certain reasons, it doesn't mean it's true. Yeah, my hope is just that, you know, they grab Simmons or they, they make a really good trade but in the hypothetical they grab Simmons just play the guys together play everyone together, let them figure it out we don't need to win any games right now we know we're not going to be that good for a couple more seasons maybe, you know, two more at least to be, you know, really trying to get into playoffs and, and maybe win a series or something of that nature, it's going to take time and we have time, you know. We, we, you know, we know that it's it's not going to happen overnight. So let's just get these guys in here, let them play together. If it doesn't work, you can move guys. But I'm with you. I don't know why you can't play all those guys uh, together in and out and, and all that stuff. I don't I don't see what's wrong with that. Yeah, I mean Simmons at the at the three, Embiid at the four, and then Okafor at the five, and then you have Nerling uh, coming in off the bench at the five, and then Dario Saric possibly coming in uh, at the four. I mean that's. <laughs> You're set for big men right there. Now just focus on getting guards. Uh, easier said than done, but you already have them, so it's kind of already done if the players uh, are as good as we hope they are. Yeah, and, and look, not everything has to be done in trade. Don't forget that the Sixers you know, are going to have a really high pick possibly next year. Um, and... That maybe of their own or, you know, via some of the trades they have. They still have options left, I think, on one of the draft picks. I could be wrong about that. Um, yeah, but they do, right? Somebody's for It's the Lakers, right? They still have the Lakers pick, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think John Kovic, I would find it hard to believe that the Lakers, again, would be in the bottom three of the league. Um, just with that fan base and that organization, uh, there's going to be problems if, if they can't find a free agent and they're one of the worst teams in the NBA again. Well, they should have two balls in the lottery, I guess, at the very worst. So I think they can rely on that. And look, 
you know, let's say these guys get together, they st- decide to stay with the Sixers, and, you know, they start to gel and it works out. You know, maybe you can attract a free agent two or three years from now, like a really good point guard or shooting guard to come in and kind of solidify that end of things. You know, like I said, to me, it's going to be a long road still. We still have a ways to go, and it, it's a process. You know, trust the process. That was the that was the whole uh, the whole hanky thing. And it you know we can't all of a sudden start rushing things. We have to you know be patient. It's going to take time, and let's just see how it works out. And we'll it, you know we'll we'll figure it out. You know we don't just don't need to trade all our assets right now to try to you know fill every position to make sure we have every position you know ready to go. We're not trying to win the championship anytime soon. And for people that, um, I guess, want Ingram uh, over Simmons because he's a better fit. I mean, if you think he's a better player, then that's that's an argument over Simmons. Uh-huh. But if you if you want the 76ers to take him because he's a better fit for the team, that just doesn't make any sense. You never draft a player, especially in the top five of a draft, for a fit. I mean, at that point, you're trying to find a superstar. Yes. So you try to find the best player you can at those picks rather than trying to fit him into your team. The- it's really mind-blowing to me the way that we talk about this because, to me, Ben Simmons is the only player in this draft that is potentially a franchise player. The rest of the guys, some of them could be really good. Don't get me wrong. And maybe some of them will prove me wrong and they'll be franchise players. That happens. I get that. But coming in to this draft, he's the only one. So the Sixers, to me, they have to take him. They don't have a choice to me. And that's just the way I look at it. Um, I did say they, they could trade it, but if you're going to trade it, you got to get a lot back. You know, you can't trade back and, and, and grab Ingram uh, at two or three. You're, you're really letting a lot go, I think, in between Ben Simmons and whoever is going to go second in this draft. Yeah, and in my opinion, uh, I really like Chris Dunn um, as the second best player in the draft. But like you said, I, I think Simmons is, is the best player in the draft. And if you're going to trade that pick, which I don't think there's any way that they do, um, unless they're getting a player maybe like Jimmy Butler and, and a lot back. Um, and the Bulls aren't going to trade Jimmy Butler, so that doesn't matter. But, you, yeah, like you said, the first overall pick, especially in a draft like this where you have Simmons, a clear number one, uh, you don't trade that pick. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about the speculation of all this, but I, you know, the Jimmy Butler thing, I mean, the Bulls and him are really butting heads, and I, I think it might be close to time for the Bulls to think about rebuilding. I don't know if they'll do that this soon, but I do think that they should think about it. And if they decide to go that route, you know, trading Butler for the number one overall pick is not a bad way to go. And then maybe getting rid of some of the other guys in the roster. That's a stretch. I know, but um, I think it's, I don't think it's so out there. Cause I know that there's been problems between Butler and the organization. So, but that's, you know, just kind of speculation. And we could talk about that, uh, you know, a little bit during the off season. Um, when, when when the time comes, but but it's a good recap of of the second round and and a preview of of this round. Even though a couple games have passed, I guess we'll meet up again to talk about the uh, the NBA Finals uh, when that time comes, right? Yeah, NBA Finals, and uh, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, we see two long and close series in the in these finals. Um, I mean, and then we're looking forward to. Hopefully a great finals, uh, uh, probably with the Cavs. And, uh, I mean, we both of us have the Cavs against the Warriors, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, either option, as long as the Cavs come out, I think will be um, a good matchup and, and a lot of fun. And I think I think the potential to go 
uh, to be a long series. And I think it's going to be a really highly watched series if, if Golden State gets in. Uh, Steph Curry's um, his brand has blown up. Um, so many people pay attention to what he's doing. Uh, he's cu- he's getting close to becoming like the face of the league almost. Um, obviously, it's still probably LeBron, but you know, and LeBron, you know, speaks for himself. And so, you know, it's that's probably ideal for the NBA as far as ratings go. But for M- for basketball fans, either matchup I think will be fantastic. Yes, I agree. And I mean, whether to rematch last year, I think uh, last year's finals got pretty good. Uh, Pretty good coverage, correct? People watching. Yeah, I'm sure it did. I mean, anytime you have LeBron in it, people are going to watch. And 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 Steph was starting to build his brand up a little bit. I think the Warriors were intrigued, intriguing to people, and kind of they play an exciting brand of basketball. They shoot a lot of threes. So, yeah, I mean, just for a ratings perspective, that rematch would I think be through the roof. Well, yeah, there's no doubt that this year would be more, especially with the Warriors' historic season. Yeah, uh, and and with Kevin Love and Kyrie both playing. Yeah, so I, I think this, this series, this round will be fun. I think Cleveland will probably get out soon, but there could be a couple close games maybe. And then I think this Warriors-Thunder series is is probably going to be, uh, there's going to be some close games, and it's probably going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then and then we'll preview the finals, which I'm sure will be just, just absolutely great. Um, but until then, uh, this has been the Pick and Roll Podcast. I'm Bill Golden. Alongside me, as always, was Kevin McLernan. Thanks for listening.